grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today you're going to hear a message, the first in a series on the book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul paints a beautiful and real expression of the value of unity within the local church. It's time to decide how you're going to identify with its mission of leading people to follow Jesus. The series is called One. ReachingForRealLife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at ReachingForRealLife.org. Today's part one of the message called Saints Together. Pastor Sean will cover the first 18 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. So we're going to be walking through Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. The the series is entitled One. One gospel, one church, one spirit, and one mission. And the reason it's called One is because Paul, through this letter, has to keep coming back and reminding us that we're one. And this is such a timely study. First Corinthians is a book, as you you go through it. In fact, as I was looking at where we were going to go in the teaching, I came, just as I was looking at different things, First uh, Corinthians is one of the things that came across my mind, and so I started looking into it, and I'm like, holy cow, this is like a direct word from Paul to us. And I think a lot of that's because there's a lot of similarity between where we are as Americans and where we are even in our culture and the church at Corinth. Now, First Corinthians, Paul is the undisputed author, at least largely undisputed, very few would contest his authorship of the book. It's written to the church at Corinth, written from Ephesus in around 55 CE or AD, whichever you prefer. If you know anything about the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, if the book of Ephesians is a letter that talks about the universal church, all of us everywhere around the world, all through time, the book of 1 Corinthians is pointedly concerned with the local church specifically talking to a local church, local issues, and that's why it's so relevant. Now, Corinth was an important city, ancient city, under the Greeks. Romans occupied Corinth, destroyed it, and it was rebuilt as a Roman city under the Roman Empire. became even more prominent and strategic. This incredible history of the city of Corinth. It's located at a coastline with very strategic trade routes. And so it became a very wealthy city. People in Corinth were very proud of their prominence, their wealth, and they had great influence, and they knew it, and it just kind of was in the air. There was this pride about, about Corinth. It was also the home of the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And because of that temple, prostitutes were everywhere. It was a wicked city. It was, it was a city that was worldly, wealthy, and wicked. And it was known, in fact, the phrase, the name Corinth became synonymous with kind of sinful, wicked, worldly. It was known wealth and sin. And just the general sense is this pride and self-centeredness that developed. And what's interesting is that same spirit we find in the church. And as I think about America... I think about kind of the way we've grown up and the way we've thought. There are many wonderful things about America. I am am a fan of what God did and is doing through America. And yet, we have to understand our wealth and our power and our achievement in many ways has gone to our heads. 
and it shapes you. You don't even recognize it, but it shapes how we are. The, the consumer mentality that we talk about and that we recognize. The pride that we, that we sometimes don't recognize, but is just there. And it creeps into the church just like it did at Corinth. And it's not like, it's not like people are consciously saying, I'm going to operate in pride or I'm going to operate in division. It's just, it's the way we've been raised. And that's the way it was for Corinth. And I think there's a lot of ways where we can relate. The, one of the things that this pride and self-centeredness in the church at Corinth sparked and it caused is fertile soil for the sin of division. The sin of division. And as I look at the church today in America, I see so much division. So much division. Deep divides. Where it's like we don't even recognize that we're brothers and sisters with one another. I think 1 Corinthians is a timely word for us. Now, I'm going to begin reading 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to pick up at verse 1. Paul writes this. He says, Paul, he's identifying himself as a writer. Paul, called by, and I want you to note these phrases, very important phrases. In fact, if you have notes and you can circle them, or if you have a, a copy of the Bible where you can notate, uh, note that this. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Those two phrases, will of God, apostle of Jesus Christ, and our brother Sosthenes. Sosthenes was probably a scribe or someone who was just a partner with Paul. So, unlike if this is a co-write. Okay, but he, he acknowledges his presence there, probably known to the church at Corinth, and so he identifies it may have been his scribe. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Look who he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Note the parallel of those two sentences, those two phrases. Called to be saints together, that's the title of today's message, saints together. Called to be saints together with all those in every place who call on the name of our, you might want to circle or make note of that word, our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again, both their Lord and ours. So we are called by God because of Jesus Christ. We are together in God because of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from who? God our Father and who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see a theme developing there? And I want you to understand, if you know the theme of this book, you understand the division, you see Paul is being very intentional here. He's intentionally hammering them. You're like, he's being kind of repetitive. He's doing it for a purpose. He's setting up his listeners. He goes on to say, verse 4, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Jesus Christ. See, that's a foundational idea of our faith. We are here because of the grace of God that was made available to us in Jesus Christ. We're not here because we're the most wonderful, okay? I mean, some of you are like really wonderful. I know that, okay? I just know I'm not clueless to that fact. But we are here because of the grace of God that was given to us in Jesus Christ. We are sinners. Our sin separates us from God. Our sin creates a death penalty. Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, pays the death penalty for our sins. That's the gospel. That's what the scripture says. God made it possible for us to be forgiven and set free in Christ so that we could have the life we were intended for in him. That's the gospel. But it is a gift. We didn't earn it. It's not because we were so wonderful or so beautiful that he said, wow, i got to have you guys on my team. And he drafted us. No, it is because of his grace. And so that's a foundation of the gospel. And he's hitting them with these phrases in his opening. Because of this grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So you're not lacking any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Seriously, he's being redundant on purpose. Here's the point. God is the Father. You're his. Jesus is the reason you're here. God, Jesus, and he's setting us up. And verse 10 is the key to this opening. And I want you to see it. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Appeal by the name of Jesus that you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And then we find out the reason. Why is he doing this? Why is he going over and over? Verse 11, for it's been reported to me by Chloe's people. In other words, he's not coming just neutral here. He's addressing something. It's been reported that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And, and you're like, well, wait a minute, isn't that what they should say? I think what he's suggesting there is there's some people who like, we follow Christ and we're the only ones. Like we know no church people would ever do that. You've heard the old joke going through heaven and all the different denominations and, uh, you know, oh, and then you get by the Baptists and it's like, oh, shh, be quiet. The, they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> and just whatever your denomination is, you just switch the, the, the joke, right, okay? What he's saying is he's not saying that these people who say I'm in Christ are wrong. He's saying, no, no, they're the people who use this as a point of division saying we're in Christ and we're the only ones and all the rest of y'all are all screwed up and we're all self-righteous. That's what he's pointing out. And then he says in verse 13, is Christ divided? Is Christ broken up in these little pieces? He says, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest some th- might have thought that they were baptized in the name of Paul. They've been confused. He says, no, no, I thank God I only best baptized those two so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. He says, I did baptize I did also baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. In other words, it's not about me. It doesn't matter. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And he's not minimizing baptism at all. He's minimizing the baptizer, except Jesus. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Listen, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. What's interesting, and I don't, I don't know that this is what he's saying, Okay, and we'll find out, you know, Apollos was a very, what what we think, an eloquent orator. He came from Alexandria, where eloquent orators and philosophers came from. He was a very powerful servant of Jesus Christ. But it's like people are judging. And Lord knows we'd never come here at church and judge based on who the speaker is for that morning. We wouldn't do that. We're too mature because the point is the Word of God. Amen? Sometimes I see you out there with like little Olympic scorecards i got to watch out after I take a couple weeks off and someone else has been preaching. It's like, Sean, you're not very good, but i got to tell you, Mike and Ryan, they were awesome. Hold the scorecards up. See, the point is, what Paul's saying is, this is I, I didn't come with eloquent words. The whole point is not my wonderful oratory. And I don't think that was a put down to Apollos or anyone else. It's, it's a rebuke to these people who are making it all about their preferences and what they like what they don't like and the different ones and how we align in these camps lest the cross of christ be emptied of its power and then verse 18 for the word of the cross listen the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing doesn't even make sense 
But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, the word of the cross. He then goes into this whole conversation about the the rest of chapter 1 is how God has made foolish the wisdom of the world by the message of the cross. Let me pray for us before we go on. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that we would hear your heart. Help us to have the wisdom to listen for you and the courage to follow you in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Saints Together. The series on unity is called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount right now will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar. Three O Two Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents a Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Saints Together. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. So he sets them up. And verse 10 being that key. In the name of Jesus, I want you all to agree. No divisions. Be united, the same mind and the same judgment. And then he goes into this whole conversation about who they're following. And after a while, now remember the setup. Remember the first few verses in the setup. And then, and then listen to this through that lens. See, he, he now then goes, well, when I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. Well, wait a minute. I follow Cephas. Well, I follow the Democrats. That's not actually in the text. I'm winging it here. No, no. I follow the Republicans. I follow Donald Trump. I follow Joe. Go with Joe. I follow Black Lives Matter. No, no. I follow All Lives Matter. I follow the mask party. I'm in the non-mask party. Ridiculous, isn't it? We, in church circles, have for years had this mastered. I follow Calvinism. No, no, I follow Wesleyanism. I follow the Baptists. I follow the Charismatics. Do you know what's noticeable in all those things? Notice the pattern. I and my pet issue, or my pet person, or my pet party. I and whatever it is I think I'm following. And you know what's conspicuously absent? What Paul was hammering home in the first few verses. Jesus. God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, by whom we have life. Conspicuously absent in all those I follow statements. And Jesus is the main point. See, what he's doing is he's exposing the cancer 
of division, and it is cancer. Look at Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 16. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Isn't that interesting? This is a church that was caught up in Galatia. They, they were kind of leaning back towards legalism. They were trying to go back to kind of some of the old legalism. Some of the Judaizers had gotten in there and trying to get them to be legalistic in their carrying out of their faith. And he's saying, you've been set, you've been set free from all that. He says, but... Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. We'd never do that. Instead, through love, but through love, serve one another. Serve one another. Not put down one another. Not scream at how one another are wrong. Serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now look at this. This is a great picture here. But if you bite and devour one another, not literally biting and devouring, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. That's what division does. Gossip, anger, angry words. It is like the body. We're a body together. It's like a body consuming itself and destroying itself. Watch out that you're not consumed by one another. And then verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. See, division is all about the flesh. It really is. Division is all about the flesh. It says a couple things. It, division says me first. One of the main core ideas of division. Me first. My needs. What I want. Don't really care about what you want. Don't really care about what you think. Me first. Division also says, I'm better than you. I understand it better. I do it better. I've got it better. I deserve better. I'm better than you. And you may not come out and say this, by the way. It may not ever, we, we might be far too smooth to actually come out and say it like that, right? We don't just come out and say, well, me first and I'm better than you. I mean, that might be counterproductive. So, but we hide it. But the spirit behind it is, me first, and I'm better than you. Which, of course, we understand what we just read about the gospel. That's the anti-gospel. The whole point of the gospel is none of us are deserving. There is none righteous, not one. We are all sinners. See, we, even when it comes to sin things and we divide up. You know, that's one of the things that, that has bothered me about the whole approach to same-sex attraction and the whole sexual ethics thing and, and how, how sometimes we've, we've responded to that because a bottom line is, is we, we look at people who have that and go, you're different and therefore you're bad. And, and I think the gospel is exactly the opposite. It's like, no, you're exactly the same. You're the same. We all have attractions that will lead us away from God. Hurtful, unhealthy, broken attractions. You know, we all have, you talk about is there a gene that causes those kind of things? Is there, is it, well, we have the flesh. We all have a, a sin gene. Without deliverance and being set free from Jesus Christ, see, we're not different. I don't look at that group or that group and say they're different. No, we're all the same. We're all the same. We are all sinners who can be saved by grace in Jesus Christ and who can be set free in Him to walk in newness of life and in righteousness. That's the message of the gospel. This idea that me first or I'm better than you, 
It's the anti-gospel. Third thing division says, division says, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. I'm going to do my own thing. It's like I'm God in my own life with a little g. I'm God with a little g. Nobody's going to tell me. And you're like, well, nobody in the church would say that. Again, we're, these aren't things we say out loud, but it's in, our, it's in our heart. And it's the root of division. Why in a Christian church, whether Corinth or would you choose these little factions based on personalities? Because there's something that says, I'm going to choose. And the gospel says, no, no, no. God's the Father. Jesus is our Savior. And we're followers. So we're going to follow. And, and I've told you before, the, the sin and the brokenness of racism and what it does to people. All it is is one way that we find a way to, to exalt self and look down on someone else and say, I'm better than you. It's all about me. And I've told you before, if we could get rid of that sin and that hatred, if we could just eradicate it from the face of the earth and it's gone, it's like none of us ever even had any thought of that. We understood truly that we are all really just different shades of brown. Okay? If we ever did that, by the way, the sin nature in us, you know what it would do? It would go after hair color. Or height. Or, you know, what part of the world you're born in, or do you have an accent? Do you not have an accent? It would go after something else, because what it is is the flesh saying, I'm better than that one, or that one, or that one. It's the brokenness of sin. And it's what causes division. And whether it's racism, whatever, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever ism you want to put in. Instead of seeing someone as a uniquely created gift of God, you choose to try to exalt yourself in a twisted, perverse way. Because it really is. You don't actually get any, you don't exalt at all. You're literally tearing yourself down as well. But in your mindset, you think, oh, I'm bigger because I pulled someone else down. And I held them at a lower standard. It's just the sin nature. And it's what causes division. And it can happen anywhere. Wherever division shows up. If it's in a family. If it's in a marriage. You can have division in an office at work. You ever had factions in your office at work? No, no, your work is an is a, a outpost of holiness. <laughs> Nobody ever gets weird at your work. I know that. Just know it, know it when you see it. And here's the point. If you're taking notes, here's, here's our main point. The cure for the cancer of division is the decision to follow Jesus. The cure for the cancer of division is the decision to follow Jesus. See, division in the church is a symptom of following something other than Jesus. Following Paul, Apollos, Cephas, Baptist Charismatics, this one, that one, the progressives, the conservatives, whatever. whatever. Division in the church is, say, is when we say, I'm not following Jesus anymore, I'm following something else. And see, if we're not following Jesus, I want you to hear this. We are Christian in name only. We are Christian in name, but not in nature. It is simply words without worship. And worship is what it's really all about. What's first in our heart, who we're following. The cure for the cancer of division is the decision to follow Jesus. And division in the church 
is a symptom of following something other than Jesus. By the way, this is just true anywhere, all right? You know, we, we all follow something in life. And when we're following different things, we have problems. That's where division and disunity can happen. In a marriage, a husband and wife come into a marriage and they go, oh, we're so in love, we love each other. And I, I, we deal with this in marriage counseling all the time. That's why we make people go through marriage counseling before we'll do a wedding. But isn't being in love enough? No, it's not. And I am deeply and passionately in love with my wife. We just celebrated 33 years of marriage and we are having a blast. We're very thankful. Thank you. Thank you. But let me just tell you, being in love is not enough. Here's the secret to a great marriage, and I believe this. Marriage was instituted by God. He created us male and female. He designed us for marriage. We are meant to marry. And when he brings us together in marriage, the secret is to follow the same leader. When you are following the same leader, we do a little triangle illustration for every premarital couple. We're all in different places and where we come from, life, background, all this stuff. As we follow Jesus, we go get closer to the head, which is Jesus. We get closer to one another. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.